Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing archetypes and learning to love ourselves. Carl Jung's work of archetypes and a collective unconscious is still controversial in psychology. It's not something that we can really study scientifically. His work resonates with me strongly based on my experience as a counselor since 2006. The controversy is that studying these archetypes, it's kind of intangible. It's difficult for us to root down to what elements we would even measure or test when it comes to archetypes. Archetypes are simply the characters that we play. These characters are known across cultures in ways that we can't really explain other than through our idea that our ancestral trauma and our ancestral experiences get passed down whether that's passed down through DNA or passed down through memory or passed down in the spirit world, how will we ever really know that for sure? But we do what resonates with us, and this work resonates with me. A Jungian might say that our universal fears of snakes or creepy crawlies, that these come from our collective unconscious, which impacts us on a biological level, passed down through our DNA, Why are most of us naturally scared of the creepy crawlies? It's because something inside of us has learned and held on to the knowledge that those things can be dangerous. Those things can make us sick, can make us ill. So we can use these ideas of archetypes to aid in our growth work and our healing. I've selected a few archetypes for this episode from the deck released by Caroline Miss. She's a spiritual author. And her cards are super useful in helping us work through and make peace with ourselves. This year has been a really tough year on everyone across the world. And at the beginning of 2020, I couldn't have imagined making such a sweeping statement that all of us across the planet would have a tough year. But here we are. We really have. In learning to truly accept and love ourselves, we can't just 
accept and love ourselves when everything is going our way, when we're killing it, when we're rising above, when we're hitting it out of the park. I know many of you listening are feeling tremendous pain. Maybe you're in current pain. Maybe there's holdover from past pain. And many of you have had more than your fair share of heartache or abuse or neglect or just heavy life challenge. I couldn't really love myself deeply, truly, fully, and feel the love from myself to myself until I could accept not just my light parts, but my dark parts. And all of us as human beings have light parts, have dark parts, just like every single day has a light part and a dark part. That is the yin and the yang. That is the balance. Most of us as highly sensitive people and survivors are suffering from a performance-based self-esteem. Now, of course, it just naturally feels good to be winning when we're winning. From our people-pleasing parts, we can become dysfunctionally almost addicted to feeling good when other people see us as successful. So it's easy to feel good if we're feeling like an amazing lover. It's easy to feel self-loving if we are feeling like we are an amazing provider for ourselves or our families. It's easy to feel a certain love or warmth on the inside of us, a rightness with ourselves. On a day that we get a promotion at work or we've gotten an A on a test. And when we serve the teachings that we've been taught, we tend to feel proud of ourselves and esteemed. Like if we're raised Catholic and we are virgins on our wedding night, we feel a certain self-love, a self-approval, like we're checking all of the societal boxes of what good enough is. And that does feel good. That'll never not feel great. But there's a risk to this because we aren't always winning. We aren't always succeeding. So to truly love ourselves like our pets love us with an unconditional love in our moments of darkness, in our moments of failure, in our moments of misstep and mistake, we have to learn about our dark parts and be able to really take them out and look at them and consider them. And learn how to process them in a way that lifts us up, that moves us forward, that honors this weird, complex, messy human and spiritual experience. If we don't do this work, this performance-based self-esteem leaves us in a dangerous lurch when we're not performing at our best self or when life is throwing us wave after wave after wave of struggle. So let's see if we can do some work to embrace more of what it means to get to know our darker sides, to learn from them, to understand their functions and their dysfunctions. I've chosen a handful of archetypes out of Caroline Miss's deck that we don't tend to associate automatically with the good or the light so that we can explore these light attributes and dark attributes of the archetypes that we automatically think of as darker out of the gate. To embrace ourselves as human beings, we're tasked with learning how to process this darkness, our problematic patterns, our self-sabotages, and our struggles, so that we can transform and let go and evolve in love. I want to begin with the Midas card. It's also called the Miser. Maybe some of you from elementary school 
Learning about mythology can remember King Midas. Everything he touched turned to gold. The light attributes of the Midas or the miser is that we have an entrepreneurial or creative ability to turn anything to gold. We delight in sharing life's riches. So when we can turn everything to gold, when we can manifest, those of you that are into manifestation, this is a beautiful light attribute of the Midas or the miser. The shadow attribute or the dark attribute is that we might hoard money and we might hoard emotions and we can nurse an obsessive fear of losing our wealth or losing our success, of losing what's golden, harboring a fear that what's golden will tarnish and turn. Looking at this card can show us where we can lean into our personal work. What happens if we let go of this idea that we must hoard money or have a sense of lack? What happens if we let go of the obsessive fear of losing our wealth? Next card, the bully. Now, what can be a light attribute about the bully? So working with the bully archetype, the light attributes say that we can highlight our tendency to intimidate others. It helps us confront the inner fears that bully ourselves. Almost every single highly sensitive person and survivor I have ever met across the course of my lifetime has an overdeveloped inner critical part. It's an inner bully. When we're out of balance with understanding this part of ourselves, what can happen is we can be advocates. We can work against bullying externally while still cultivating this internal bully and we wonder why we don't feel better, why we're depressed, why we're so constantly anxious. The shadow attribute, the dark attribute of the bully archetype is that the bully conceals deep fears behind verbal or physical abuse. We all know that the bully on the playground is most likely to have a really difficult life. That bully on the playground is not getting their needs met at home. They're not having a soft place to fall. And the bully figures out how to be really big and powerful to conceal those deep fears. And they find their power in this dark, dysfunctional way by being verbally or physically or emotionally or even sexually abusive. So what happens if you allow yourself to use the light attribute of the bully archetype and look deeply within to say, where am I bullying myself? And in that moment, you are in the light. You are walking forward to take care of yourself, to grow and to evolve from the acknowledgement of this archetype that lives within most of us. The addict. Very interesting to think about the addict as an archetype that has light attributes and shadow attributes. If you listen to the show consistently, you've definitely heard me acknowledge that as an expert in addiction, I no longer fully believe that addiction is a disease that someone has. I believe that to be addicted is very, very human. And the more out of balance that we are, the more spiritually bankrupt we are, the more likely it is that we will have and foster external addictions. So if we look at the light attribute of the addict, using these cards as tools, it says 
The light attribute helps us recognize and confront addictive behavior. Any of you who make the conscious decision to put your phone down throughout the day, to turn off alerts on that phone throughout the day, to do an activity that has nothing to do with technology, you're using the light attribute of our addict archetype to be mindful, to have boundaries, to caretake around this very human draw to easily become addicted. The shadow or the dark attributes of the addict archetype, if we're in our dysfunction as an addict, we're compromising integrity and honesty. We're allowing our addictive patterns to have authority over our inner spirit. We're giving the inner addict too much power to drive the bus of our life. Do you see how when we know these things, when we take these cards out and look at these things, it grows our mindful muscle to be able to reach into our psyche and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm -mm, This is not automatic. I get to choose here. What am I doing? That is the gift available to us. It's the wisdom available to us when we look at these light and dark attributes. The fool. Isn't it interesting to think about the fool being an archetype that is in our collective unconscious? This is why we have terms like the class clown. Anyone who has been a teacher or spent time in classrooms, which is most of us, we have known the person who is embodying the fool or the class clown. The light attributes of the fool, the fool fearlessly reveals emotion, helping people laugh at absurdity and hypocrisy. Isn't that beautiful? The class clowns, the fools are our comic relief. This is why kings had the fool, right? He would pull the fool out to entertain, to lighten, to laugh. And sometimes with the king, that would get dark if he didn't think the fool was very funny, right? So how does the fool embody shadow attributes? When the fool uses humor to wound rather than liberate. We can use joking and laughter and being silly and ridiculous to deny our emotional truth. That's when humor becomes a dysfunctional mask. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. One of the comments I keep receiving over and over again, I'm in the tail end of teaching the six-week boundaries course, is how much we laugh, how silly and funny some of my examples are that I share and that I offer. That's a light attribute. That's me 
maybe some of my colleagues would go, oh, wow, Nikki's being very foolish and unprofessional, right? Those are the judgments. But what I'm doing there very intentionally and something that's been important in my healing is to lighten, is to use these foolish light attributes to teach, to learn, to grow. And that's been really reparative for the ways that people have used the fool archetype to wound me and deny my emotional truth. And as sensitive people, as empaths, we know very well, even when we can't put our finger on it, when someone is laughing and joking and using humor in a way that is light because it feels light. And when it's dysfunctional and shaming, it feels that way. And we can learn to trust those feelings moving forward. That's part of the gift of the tool of our intuition. When we listen and we allow our intuitive knowing. Another one, the prostitute. That one might be shocking. I realized a long time ago that many of the people, many, it's not like I have hundreds, but many of the people that I have chosen as a sort of spiritual mother, as a spiritual guide in my life, two off the top of my head, Maya Angelou, the great author and speaker. She's no longer with us. She passed a few years ago. Sexual abuse survivor herself. She spent a short period of her time in prostitution with herself and with other women as a madam. Another one of my spiritual mothers and teachers Anna Forrest, she also had a period of time. She is a very famous yoga teacher, a powerhouse of a woman. So what is the light attribute shared in this archetype card of the prostitute? The prostitute can accentuate the challenge of surviving without negotiating the power of your spirit. It's a tough one to take in. We've all grown up with judgments about prostitution, very normalized in our society to judge the sex worker. We're starting to grow out of that a little bit. It might be a hard idea to consider that someone can be in sex work without negotiating the power of their spirit. I believe it's possible. The dark shadow attribute of the prostitute is when they place material considerations and security above self-empowerment. That's very interesting to consider these things through new lenses, isn't it? Another archetype, the victim. You hear me speak out against victim mentality a lot. I think it's one of the things that can really cripple the development of a highly sensitive person. The light attribute of the victim is that the victim prevents us from letting ourselves be victimized or prevents us from victimizing others. None of us will go through our entire lives without feeling victimized. As human beings, we love each other. We lift each other up. As a tribe, we also hurt each other. So we're all going to feel victimized. And it is right. It is accurate that we go through the feelings of having been victimized because it does teach us to not victimize others. And it does teach us, hey, this is pretty awful. I need to make sure that I don't allow myself to be victimized moving forward. Those are very important feelings and processes to move through as a developing human being. The shadow attribute 
the dysfunction of the victim archetype is that playing the victim for positive feedback in the form of pity, that digs a hole. And there tends to be an inability to maintain personal boundaries when someone is playing the victim. So my hopefully clever little statement for this is that we have to pass through feeling victimized, but we need to be mindful of not buying real estate in the victimhood. We don't want to get planted there. There's much to be angry about. There is much to feel victimized about in our modern society and in our expansive awareness that the internet brings us. So it might be more important now than ever to be mindful of our light attributes and our shadow attributes around the archetype of victim to make sure as highly sensitive people and survivors that we're moving through and not investing in any real estate there. All right, I have a few more. The rescuer. Now, many, 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 many people in this audience are recovering people pleasers, are fixers, are savers, are rescuers. And that's what we're doing. We're learning how to have better boundaries so that we rescue ourselves. So what is the light attribute of the rescuer that has such a negative connotation for so many of us? Our rescuing parts have gotten us into trouble as a tribe. The light attribute is that a rescuer provides strength and support to others in crisis and acts out of love with no expectation of reward. There's a real pure giving if we're rescuing someone. If I'm in a boat and you're swimming without a life raft, I want to throw something to you with no expectation that you have to do something for me or reward me. I just want to throw you that life vest so you can float. It's a healthy light attribute of the rescuer. So what's an unhealthy dark attribute of the rescuer? When we assume that the rescued will reciprocate and when we keep the rescued one needy. Now this happens a lot in dysfunctional partnerships. A lot of people look consciously or not so consciously for someone that they can rescue because it feels amazing to throw somebody a life raft and I watch them go from almost drowning to getting on the boat. But if we have a strong dysfunctional need to rescue, after I have that person on the boat, guess what? They don't need rescuing anymore. And that's sometimes that is sometimes what happens when we have a dysfunctional connection to our rescuer archetype is that we need that person to stay sort of desperate so that we can keep saving. That's how the dynamic works. That's the subconscious contract of someone who gets rescued by a rescuer. And as the rescued grows and gets stronger and eats a good strong meal after being tossed out at sea, they may start to resent if I'm giving them energy that, hey, they need to be a certain amount of broken or desperate so that I can do my rescuing job. And that starts to feel very smothering, very suffocating, and very detrimental on the expansive path of seeking wholeness and self-development. I have two more cards in my hand. The second to last one is the child. And in this deck, there are multiple child archetypes, which I love because that is 
That is exactly what I see in my healing therapeutic work. That we have different aspects of our inner child to attend to. The card that I pulled for today is the child card, the orphan archetype. I haven't had my parents in my life, one of my parents since I was 10 years old, and my other two parents since my very early 20s. So I've certainly had periods of feeling orphaned. And I know many of you have had the feeling of being orphaned, even if you have your physical parents in your lives. So what could possibly be the light attributes of the archetype of child orphan? There is an independence based on learning to go it alone. And we can conquer the fear of surviving. My goodness, this resonates with me. I'm fiercely independent. That's what I learned by having to really make the choice to go it alone for a long time. And at this point, I can say I have fully conquered my fear of surviving. And I am in thriving. What is the shadow attribute? of the archetype of child orphan, feelings of abandonment that stifle maturation and seeking inappropriate surrogate families. So what does that mean for a recovering human being that's dealing with a dysfunctional childhood? It means similarly to to what I was talking about with the victim archetype. We have to move through our feelings of abandonment. We can't get stuck there. If we do, we start nursing a victim mentality. And many, many, many of us in secret shame as highly sensitive people and survivors will report if they feel safe, they will report to me that they feel like an imposter grown up, an imposter adult. Part of what we must face if we identify with this archetype is that as adults, we can't really be abandoned again. And that's a real hard one for overly loyal people. Because as a tribe, we are an overly loyal people to consider. But people have left me. That can't possibly be true, Nikki. I dispute that. I understand that resistance coming up in our consciousness. It came up in me for a very, very long time because that was my wound. I had such a deep, deep abandonment wound that each time another adult left or I left another adult For a long time, I didn't know how to fill in that wound so the hole didn't feel so deep. So each time another adult left or I had to leave another adult, I accidentally dug that hole deeper, made that wound hurt more. I added it up like another one, another one, another one, like I was keeping score of all the abandonments, which just made the abandonment feel bigger When we do the work, and it's not a light switch, it takes sitting with it and working on it to really internalize for my own inner child, guess who can never abandon her? Grown-up me. That's where my safety and security sits. That's where a lot of healing dots came together to connect for me. That in the acceptance of my inner child really can never ever feel abandoned again if I help her understand that she did not have grown up me when I was little. She did not have grown up me when I was an adolescent. And she certainly did not have wiser 40-year-old me when she was 20. So the more that I let her know, guess what? Grown up me isn't going anywhere. I will never abandon you. The less attachment I have felt in my being 
the less fear and attachment I have felt in my being about other adults being able to abandon me. So now if they leave, they just leave. They pick a different path. That's very different than processing it as another one abandoned me. What's wrong with me? And that is the shadow attribute that can keep us stuck in feelings of abandonment that stifle our maturation. How can I feel mature if the inner child in me is still trying to overly attach to other adults out of a fear of abandonment? That will keep me in a child way. The other shadow attribute, seeking inappropriate surrogate families. My goodness, I don't know if there's a highly sensitive person who hasn't found themselves, whether it's a work family, a church family, a yoga family, a a fraternity or sorority family, maybe even a podcasting family, a meditation family that hasn't gone into it really hoping it would be safe and healthy and in the light only to find out, oh no, there's some inappropriate things going on here. I don't know if this is the right spot for me. And do you see how that fits together? That if we have sought out inappropriate surrogate families, that we're going to have to leave again and possibly rip the scab off the orphan wound? So it's very integral to my healing now that when I leave, when I go, when someone else leaves and someone else goes, that I know how to attend to that inner child part of me. And when I do, that keeps me in the light And it keeps me feeling grown up in my age and not like an imposter adult. Part of what I love about this particular archetype deck is that there are blank cards to add our own archetypes. And the archetype that I am adding is the emotional badass. Our light attribute is that we have great passion and devotion to personal and planetary emotional evolution. We see potential and we lead with empathy. I just did an interview for You, Me, Empathy. Shout out to Noon, the host of that show. He was asking me what it meant to be an emotional badass. Our dark attributes are that we can be obsessively perfectionistic with our passion. And we can alienate or shame with an inability to maintain personal boundaries and picking our battles. When we do the work to let go of perfectionism, as an emotional badass, we get more realistic and more grounded. We let go of anxiety because perfectionism is trying to control things that we don't have the power to control. And that creates tremendous anxiety to tell ourselves we must achieve a perfect that isn't available. It's as reasonable as you deciding that you would like to flap your arms and fly to the moon. It's not available. So when we let go of our perfectionism, when we let go of our obsessive passion for development, we also let go of alienating and shaming others that are not on our path, that are not wired like we are. And we begin to have boundaries with ourselves. That's what that is. Letting go of that perfectionism is a boundary with myself. I will not allow that. With advocacy and passion in our hearts, we're at risk of burning out and not being able to give ourselves and the world our light attributes as emotional badasses. There's so much pain out there in the world. 
we really do have to pick our battles so that we have the energy to fight the good fights without burning ourselves out. As an emotional, as an emotional badass, we can go far with our passionate goals when we're managing our dark attributes. I hope there is something in this episode that helps you hold yourself with more wholeness, W-H-O-L-E, the fullness of who you are, of who other people are. Learning about archetypes can also help us in the plight to not take other people's ways of being or decision-making or processing personally. It helps us stay more connected to our true selves instead of some idealized version of ourselves that we have deemed acceptable. And that's a path to real, deep, honest, unconditional self-love. And that's our job, in my opinion, as highly sensitive people and survivors on this planet. We tend to want love externally, and then we'll learn how to love ourselves. It's much more empowered and available for us to flip that and work on really, truly loving ourselves. And then we can love others. We can give others grace where they're messy because we're learning how to give ourselves grace where we're messy because every human is messy and we can deal with that reality. I want to thank the beautiful, beautiful, messy people that are on our Patreon with me. We really could not do the show without Patreon. Patreon is like the backbone of the show. And I want to give some shout outs to those of you that have taken time to come sign up to dive into the community and the 32 episodes that we have there exclusively for you, as well as the hours and hours and hours of live stream Q&As that I do on video once a month. Thank you. Thank you, Juliana, Gina, Carly. Thank you for being on our Patreon. Thank you, Liz Rose, Katie O'Neill. Thank you, Leisha. We have two Tracys, Tracy M and Tracy W. Thank you, Jamie, Cindy, Marianne. Thank you so much. Suzanne, SR Pullman, Stacy, Amy. Thank you so much. Cheryl, thank you. Thank you. Lindsay C, Lebla, Lorraine, and Andrea B. Thank you all so much. Y'all, since the beginning moments of the show, y'all have been our marketing team. Y'all spread this healing work across the world. And Patreon supporters, y'all give us a backbone and help us keep adding to this team so we can keep producing this healing content for you. I feel these things as acts of love. And I appreciate every single effort that has been put forth by all of you to spread the show to more and more and more people light and love and may we all learn how to love ourselves truly and deeply unconditionally i'm an emotional badass you're an emotional badass and together we are where moxie meets mindful take care of yourselves and i'll see you next time right here on emotional badass bye-bye
you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com.